It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show today, I have with me, Executive Chef John Morris. He is the chef at the CN Tower 360 restaurant. Now, we're going to be joined also Chef David Wolfman. We're just waiting for him to, to get online with us, and we hope that he joins us momentarily. But we're going to get underway, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about why they're here, and it's some exciting stuff. But first of all, a little bit more about the CN Tower 360 restaurant. Now, if you're in the Toronto area, and I guess anywhere around the world, the CN Tower is known because of its size, and uh, it is is a, such a, a huge uh, landmark in the Toronto area, and as I say, probably around the world. But I keep forgetting when you drive by and you see the CN Tower, that at the top of that thing is a, is a restaurant. <laughs> a 360 restaurant is up there. And they are committed to sustainability. And it's a driving force for them with their food and beverages. And that is uh, really something. And, and uh, we're here to talk about the new menu that they're going to be adding some things to. And that's why we have uh, uh, Executive Chef John Morris with us. And as I say, we're going to be joined also by uh, uh, Chef David Wolfman. And here he is right now. So I'm going to let him come in, but I'm going to continue talking as well. Now, um, Executive Chef John Morris also works very closely with many local producers as he plans his menus, which change twice a year. Now, this is all part of the philosophy behind the restaurant, as well as what he is doing in giving uh, guests an authentic taste of place. And additionally, the restaurant is not only a great place to come and enjoy a meal, because uh, when you're there, being in the restaurant, that gets you access to general admission to the tower. So you can savor the best of not only Canadian cuisine, but you can also take in the views, stroll around the observation levels, dance across the famous glass floor and uh, make it a real occasion to remember. So, you know, it's that time of year, folks. And uh, I was just talking with uh, Chef John Morris. He was saying that they are, in fact, uh, quite busy. So I'm guessing that you're probably going to have to make a reservation. So I may want to look that up if you're thinking of maybe uh, getting in there for this holiday season. Uh, But a little bit more now about uh, uh, Chef John Morris, Executive Chef. And I see that uh, uh, Chef Wolfman is trying to join in as well. We're just waiting for him to connect his sound. But Chef Morris began his uh, cross-Canada culinary career as a, an, an apprentice with the Canadian Pacific Hotels and also that, and in the Rocky Mountains of all places, if you can imagine that. He moved on uh, to Caesars Hotel and Casino in the Windsor area and he also spent about 13 years in the Ottawa area uh, with the Ottawa Marriott and uh, also the executive chef at the National Arts Centre. What a great place. Wow, what a career he's had. And it's exciting to have him here on the show to talk about now being at uh, the CN Tower, where he has been since 2016. So, uh, Chef Morris, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Uh, Great to be here. Thanks for, for having me here today. Yeah, and it's great to have uh, Chef David Wolfman here as, with us as well. He's just joined in. And, yeah, thank um, you. Thank you. So it's you great. Me? Yeah, we can. It's great to have you here. Thank you. So we got things uh, started. Hope you don't mind. Not at all. 
Great. So I was just telling everyone about the restaurant and about the experience that people could could have while they're there. Now I know you guys have some new uh, some new cuisine um, uh, adding to the menu. But before we get there, uh, now that that you're here, uh, uh, David, I'm going to tell people a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Now I know that you joined the the 360 uh, uh, restaurant in what 2019. That's right. Yeah, and you're bringing this Indigenous-inspired menu to the restaurant, and that's really exciting to hear about. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But you, of course, people will know you from your your long-running show that you had on APTN, Cooking with the Wolfman. You are in and around and doing so many other things, an educator, an entertainer, you know, with, with all this other stuff that you've got going on. And I understand that you your show is, is also now on other networks, correct? Yeah, it's actually, um, we sent it down to the States to a couple of different networks uh, down there. So it's, uh, it's been shared around a little bit, which is really kind of neat because when you, when I get the emails from people, they say, you know, I'm in uh, Colorado, you know, do you think I could get some of those spruce tips here? Or, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of neat to, mm. to hear the uh, feedback from the guests, uh, but it's really cool. Right, so Cooking with the Wolfman is still out there. The fact is that your show uh, on APTN ran for 18 years. I couldn't believe that when I read that. 18 years. Yeah, yeah, and I produced it myself, so that was a, a lot of fun. Um, you know, to me, it was like running, a, and the chef will understand this, it's like it's like doing, uh, almost like doing a wedding every time you do a show. You know, you have to organize all the food, the crew. You know, we had 45 crew on set there, you know, from five camera people, floor directors. So we even had cooks cooking in the kitchen, not just getting the food ready for my shows, but for all of the staff, because you got to keep, uh, you got to keep everybody fed, right? So it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. I think the most important thing, uh, in, uh, in cooking is having a passion for it. If you have a passion, it's not really work. Yeah. I think that goes with anything, isn't it? If you have a passion for it, it never feels like work. Absolutely. Yeah. Great to hear. Well, you guys obviously have a passion for what you do. And uh, Chef John Morris, uh, I, I'd like to ask you about this philosophy about going and, and giving people an authentic taste of place. This certainly works well, I'm guessing, with uh, bringing a Chef uh, uh, David Wolfman on with the, the, the culinary elements that he's adding to it. Um, this is something we've been hearing about quite a bit recently is about the addition of natural or, or sort of local ingredients. How does that work with, with a restaurant of, of, of this kind that you're doing? How do you, how do you source out the stuff? Well, you know, that's a great question. I think um, certainly I, I want to just first say, uh, you know, the, the phrase taste of place, I have to give a nod to uh, Rebecca McKenzie and the, the feast on the people at the Culinary Tourism Alliance who, who created this feast on program, which celebrates uh, Ontario foods uh, and food tourism. And I think that's part of that's an organization that we're proud to be uh, partnered with. And uh, because it's one that, you know, when you do partner and, and get certified by feast on you, really, you literally have to put your money where your mouth is. And, and in terms of uh, using local food and local produce. So, um, we're very proud of that designation, I think. And then um, I guess, you know, specifically for us, what that means, you know, the scope of our restaurant being one of the, the maybe busier restaurants in, in the country, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not as easy as just kind of say, okay, well, I'm going to call up a local producer this week and order, you know, 400 pounds of, 
spinach. No, like yeah, you really have to to, to invest in, in the local uh, with local farmers. Invest your time and and energy and kind of planning at way ahead of time and and say, hey, look, I'm going to be using this much spinach throughout this much of the season, mm. starting on this day, and then they kind of plant for you and they mm. kind of be they're ready for you. And I think um, that's something that we had to learn. Uh, you know, maybe five, six years ago when I, when I joined the company here and, and uh, we've had, we've over that time nurtured some really great uh, relationships, you know, with, with local farms and, and uh, it's great to be, to support them and to be supported by them and, and using their beautiful produce. You know? Right. Uh, that's an interesting comment you made about planning and, and planting for you specifically. And, and I know that that idea of, of creating a relationship with the local farmers is something you're, you're big on. Uh, I read that about you. And uh, I guess that, that is something that takes time out of your day that you have to go and, uh, and create those relationships to get to know. And I'm guessing that that is, a, that is also a plus uh, because it's like anything else, right? When you get to know someone and you're familiar with them, you know who you're talking to. It's not just uh, somebody on the other end of the phone for instance oh 100 percent. you know uh you're right it's it's uh something a mutually beneficial uh you know way of doing doing the business and and going to business you know i think sometimes you know you could be dealing with larger distributors or corporations and you know sometimes that can be a little bit feel a little faceless or or you may not know exactly where the stuff is coming from and so you know we make the conscious choice not to go that route and um, you know, for a large operation, it's not always easy. It does take a little bit more time, David, you're right. Um, but we feel that it's time well spent and it's, it's an effort that's really, really pays off in terms of those relationships. And then also just being able to have the quality that you want, right? I mean, you, you could call up uh, your, your producer or farmer and say, hey, you know, what's going on with this? And, and, and figure that out together and, and, and uh, really dial in exactly what it is you want that you want to present to your guests. And it really is a win-win. Hmm. You, you know, this is triggering a bunch of different thoughts for me that I hadn't really considered when you think about going to a restaurant and sitting down and eating a really nice meal like you would get up at the 360. Uh, because you, you think about the presentation, you think about the ingredients that would go into it. But you, you made me think about another angle of this. And, and David, this would tie into you and I want to come back to it as well. And that is... When you get to know, uh, and you, you mentioned about planting, specifically planting for you, at, is, there, is there a point where you guys might say, uh, I really want, and I'm guessing, I, I don't know if this happens, but you know, I want you guys to use this kind of a, of a, of a soil, for instance, on, on, and to make sure that, that I get the kind of taste I'm looking for. I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing, but is there, do you guys get down to that level of, of looking at how you might prepare your your food that you're asking to be locally grown? Uh, not not in that sense. Like, I think um, I, I definitely have to, you know, to say I'm I'm actually not a great, I don't have a great green thumb myself. I'm not, <laughs> I definitely belong in the kitchen and not in, in, the, in the field myself. But, uh, you know, so I don't pretend to know those kind of specifics. And I do leave that to the experts who yeah. are the farmers. And, um, but I think for, for the chef's perspective, I think more so, I don't want to speak for chef Wolfman, but I think certainly for me, I think it's, you know, we know what we want. Like you, you touched on it. We know what we want things to look like. We know what we want things to taste like. We know what we want uh, the yield to be and the kind of, 
you know, the texture to be the tenderness, this, that. And then we kind of relay that to, to the producer and they can, they can make those adjustments in, I guess, you know, how the soil is and, mm. uh, you know, how much light the plants are getting and those kind of different variables right. to deliver on the kind of what we're looking for. I think that's, that's more of how it works, I think, but each, each kind of part of the, the food chain, we all have our area of expertise, I think. Right. And we, we just work together and rely on each other. Right. So, support one another right right so uh, chef wolfman i'd like to ask you something similar in that vein is there is there anything uh, different around that approach in terms of the traditional way food might be uh, uh prepared or or brought that you are looking for that you want to include in in, in the kind of meals that you present well i think the first thing uh, when, when i'm writing menus obviously being you kind of put your creative cap on which i always have like mm. a you know, as soon as I see something, I was thinking the other day, I thought wild mushrooms, this would be really cool to have, um, not just wild mushrooms, uh, but it would be really cool to have um, uh, something like a, um, in a ravioli with a cedar foam. Like all of a mm. sudden, as soon as I see mm. some food somewhere, that's, mm. that's what I'm thinking. Mm. And, and so I, I think uh, there's a number of different components that's going through my mind. Like how would this look on a plate? Mm. And is this going to look, um, pleasant is this you know uh, and so i think that is um where uh, as a chef i started thinking about it and then uh, as a as also somebody that's accustomed to you know when i when i worked in the bistros and that on um, um queen street and all the various places that i i, I worked at um it was uh, just a matter of um what do i have in my fridge and how can i utilize this how can i make it work together how can i make it blend together so it's it's not uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's different uh, 360 where you, you're going to need like, like a, a John and I, which I, by the way, I worked at uh, the CN Tower before it was 360. I worked there, I guess it's 38 years ago now, right, John? <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about that when, when yeah. you were, that was, I think that was the year you were born, right, John? <laughs> oh my God, come on. <laughs> I'm kidding, John. John's so young. No, but anyway, I worked on, I worked there at uh, CN Tower. And, and so thinking of uh, when you write menus, like uh, sort of my concept is making sure that I respect the indigenous foods. Uh, how can I marry them in a, in a modern way, hmm. whether it's, a, a, you know, sort of an international fusion way. Maybe it's sous vide, maybe it's smoke, maybe it's a traditional way of smoking. Maybe it's a wind dry or drying in a dehydrator and so how can i marry those all together and yet still at the end result is always the same for all of us chefs which is a you know uh, to make it palatable to make people love it for the uh, the customer when they're eating it but also to have a story behind it because mm. i think that's part of as indigenous people who we are is telling a little bit of a story behind our food and and i think the first time that uh, john and i worked together um i was talking about the food and he goes oh i love that right and uh, you know because that's the, but that's what we do right we we draw the picture in our mind uh, as as chefs but also as indigenous people to sort of feel for this we're going to use um you know maybe we're going to use arctic char we're going to use halibut or an elk steak or something like that right and I think that what you're saying there about the story, because I think then people start to think more about what they're tasting and what they're eating and how does it, how does, you know, I think they pay more attention to their taste buds. I guess that's what I'm trying to say when, when they have that story that goes along with it. Yeah. And then you're setting up the, you're, you're setting up the, uh, the vision. It's all, mm. it's almost like a teaser to a movie. Like, mm-hmm. are you going to see, you're going to see this and you see that we're not going to give it all away. And then, um, <laughs> you know, and then when you get to the plate and right. as, especially the way, 
360 and chef and his team do their plates it's just outstanding they just put it together it's like wow you know it's like you don't want to eat it i mean that's uh <laughs> what we were doing that, that right chef when you're when you're uh, uh the, the way your crew makes the food you look at it and you go oh no i'm gonna take a picture of this and <laughs> i know you but it's, it's so beautiful as well it's it's almost like you know the, the team do such a great job you know presenting it artistically as well right as enticingly it's great and I really like what you just said there about it being artistic because it, it does sound like what you were just saying uh, with what uh, a Chef Wolfman just said about you don't want to eat it because it looks too good. It's it's too nice. Yeah. It's a it's a work of art. Well, you know what? And that's, you know, a testament to today's day and age as well. I mean, people, before they do eat it, they want to take a picture of it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and post about it. And, and so it is kind of viewed as a form of visual art, I think, first. And we, we always used to say, you know, you eat with your eyes first. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of entices you to 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 keep going and and try you know try the flavors and smell the aromas and all that uh, good stuff. But I think uh, Chef Wolfman, you you hit the nail on right on the head. It's like telling the story of you know where where the idea and the inspiration came from, or where where the ingredients came, from, how they were grown, or you know what why the chef chose to bring them together on that dish. I mean, this story. Uh, this is what really makes it from elevates it from being a meal uh, to being an experience, you know, mm. which is what I think we're, we all want to do and, and really have those times that, you know, to bond with our friends and family over over a great meal. You know, I think that's a big part of it. Right. Storytelling is huge. Right. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show are Executive Chef John Morris, as well as Chef David Wolfman. And they are the chefs at CN Tower 360 Restaurant. If you're thinking of maybe heading there over the holiday season, which would be a great time to go, and it really makes it a night to remember. So if it's something you're thinking about, I'm guessing, guys, you you have to uh, make reservations, correct? Absolutely recommend. Yes, for sure. Especially, yeah, especially in the evenings and weekends. Yeah, it's, it's been, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of people interested in coming and and checking us out. So I think it'd be wise. Let's talk a little bit about the idea of, uh, Chef John, you you can explain, I'm I'm guessing you were part of the the decision to bring uh, Chef uh, Wolfman into the, to the mix, uh, so to speak. So, um, what was the decision behind that, and and why? Do, what do you feel that it's added? Oh wow, so much! I mean, just the the fact that I got to meet Chef Wolfman and, and collaborate with him. You know, I've been a fan uh, of of his cooking through his show uh, for many many years, and uh, just have known about him. So that like that was a, on a personal level, kind of a big plus in reaching out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you know, for in terms of for three sixty. And for what that means, I mean, I think we really, really have been trying uh, our very best, you know, as as kind of a um, an icon within the city of Toronto, but also, you know, almost something like a, on, on a national level, you know, it is a symbol that, you know, the, the CN Tower is kind of a symbol that all Canadians identify with, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, worldwide, we're known for that. So I think uh, part of that, we've always felt you know, a sense of almost duty that we need to really highlight and showcase uh, Canadian food, Canadian cuisine, Canadian ingredients uh, to to the extent possible. And um, that's really a big part of our driving force. And, and you can't talk about 
uh, Canadian food without talking about Indigenous food. Mm. And, you know, and, and myself, I'm, I'm um, humble enough to, to recognize that I'm no expert at that. Mm. In so we, we, need a, we need an expert. And I think Chef Wolfman is, is uh, highly regarded, recognized uh, in, in that cuisine. And so we thought, let's talk to him. You know, and, and I'm so glad that we did because this is actually our second time now collaborating on a menu and it just keeps getting better and better. Great, great. Uh, so tell us a little bit about this uh, collaborative menu that you've got going. What can people expect to find when they go to 360? Uh, Chef uh, Wolfman? Okay. Uh, well, um, we'll start off with uh, a couple of the appetizers. We have the uh, Arctic char crudo, which is um, some beautiful Arctic char. And it's actually, uh, we have wild apple uh, pickled radish, uh, some Saskatoon berries, which I just absolutely love. Mm. And uh, cedar has got to be one of one of my favorite uh, new things. Uh, mm. uh, thinking about, like I was saying earlier, it's just thinking of cedar and cedar foams. But we're doing a cedar aioli, which is uh, really nice. And, and just marrying all those flavors together. Uh, and that's just one of the appetizers. We also have a sun choke which uh, I love. Uh, I love the sun choke. Uh, formerly, uh, we used to call it the Iroquois potato or the sun, sun root. Mm. Uh, and we're mixing that with a Pontiac potato, making fritters. And we have this nice sage cream and some beautiful seedlings on there. Um, I'll move to the main course, uh, which is uh, we have uh, blackened mint dusted halibut. Uh, and again, looking at the, um, the greens. Uh, so that's the spruce tip wild rice with the crispy beets. Uh, the elk steak uh, is one of my favorites. It's mm. a grilled elk steak, uh, pickled squash, uh, candied pepitos, which is uh, uh, seeds, and then a uh, root mash as well, like I said earlier. Mm. And Chef, I'll let you do the desserts. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chef. And, and just I wanted to say, like, just as you're talking about these dishes, I just keep, I'm picturing them, and unfortunately, listeners, you can't, you can't see pictures of it, but, it, you know, just the colors of these plates and i mean the flavors are amazing uh and you know complement each other so well but just the vibrant colors like the root mash it's like it's got beetroot in it so it's got a beautiful purple color uh you know and sweet potato in there and turnip and just this lovely with the squash anyways um i'm getting hungry it must be my lunch <laughs> i'm um, salivating just I'm listening to you guys on the chef eats lunch right so uh but for dessert we have a, a wild blueberry uh parfait with uh with a cookie a birch syrup infusion and uh, some black currants uh we've got a which is beautifully presented in a in a glass uh dish so just layered and, and delicious uh, and then we've got a, a sweet and white corn panna cotta. Uh, so like a two-layered uh, panna cotta with uh, lavender twill and uh, corn pudding, which is to die for. Uh, you know, the mm. uh, Wolfman uh, really gave us a great recipe on that one. I love it. Oh. It sounds As a matter of fact, I think I'd jump in because when we when we were testing the recipes, I, I think I ate uh, all three of them that was supposed to be for three people. But anyway, it's <laughs> it was fantastic. Right? That's a good that's a good sign, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know that, Chef. <laughs> that's great. Sounds wonderful. And yeah, as I was saying, my mel- my mouth is salivating just listening to you guys talk about this stuff. It sounds great. Um now, the other thing, you know, you, we don't think about too much, uh, at least I don't know if many people think about this because you're thinking about the presentation and you're thinking about the meal and you're enjoying all, all of that stuff. But you guys work in an industry that is also very dangerous I and mean, you're working around 
high heat and fire and uh, probably heavy items that you have to lug around that could be extremely hot liquids, um, sharp knives and cutlery that is, you know, out everywhere. And you guys are flying around these kitchens uh, doing all kinds of things. Uh, you know, we tend to forget about those things. Uh, how, how, how does that become easier or is it just something that you guys naturally get a, get a sense of and flow with uh, after, after a while and it becomes secondary, you know, second nature? Chef, I have to jump in first. Oh. So I, I have two words. Heads up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Behind you. Yeah. Behind you or heads up. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely, yeah, I mean, it, that's a good good point. Uh, David, don't don't freak me out, okay? No, I'm just <laughs> We don't think, no, we do think about it. I mean, safety, I think, is, is top of the mind. And I think if you've done, you kind of lay out all the, you know, especially in a place, uh, like ours where we have, uh, you know, I think we're, there are 85 of us that work in the kitchen here in total. Um, so we do have to be uh, very cognizant of safety of, of each other and, and look out for each other. And, um, you know, we have a health and safety committee that, you know, does walkthroughs and our environment is very, very, very well kind of regulated in, in that sense. And, but at the end of the day, you're right. We are still working with very hot things and very sharp things and, uh, we just have to, there's a few rules that you follow that if you do, um, really eliminates uh, almost all of those potential accidents that you could mm -hmm. have. Right. Yeah. It comes down to like training and, and uh, you know, careful process of how you do things. I, I also want to say that it's like um, it's almost like an orchestra when you um, when you have a good team and you've been working together a while. You just know how to flow through and, mm. and go down the line, pass things over to each other and work around each other. And uh, for an outsider looking in, you're going, this is crazy, but it's actually very organized mm. chaos, as I mm. call it in the kitchen. Right. right. Right, absolutely. And guys, we're going to have to leave it there. Our, our time is up, but it's fabulous. Been been fabulous speaking with both of you. I congratulate both of you on this wonderful menu you're bringing forward to the uh, CN Tower 360 restaurant. I encourage people to uh, get pick up their phone uh, or get online and, and make themselves an appointment uh, or a reservation at the restaurant so they can enjoy this wonderful experience at the top of the CN Tower. You know, I want to say, first of all, uh, thanks to uh, Chef and uh, CN Tower for bringing me back and, and allowing me to share our you know not just our food but our culture mm. and uh, our knowledge which is uh, like one of the elders said to me you know the knowledge is given to you not to mm. keep and put in a box and hide it but mm. to to share it and i and so i want to say thank you for the this mm. fantastic opportunity mm. for, for sharing that with us a pleasure speaking with both of you congratulations and and all the uh, more success to you in the future i look forward to uh, getting up there myself and and experiencing this Oh, yeah. Thank you both very much as well. Thank you, uh, Chef Wolfman, for sharing the knowledge and uh, David for the time. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Chef. And that is Chef David Wolfman and Executive Chef John Morris. They work at the CN Tower 360 restaurant. Make sure and check them out. That is one of the greenest restaurants in Canada, 360 restaurant. And they have this new indigenous menu that they have added. So make sure and check it out. Don't forget, that gets you access to uh, not only for this uh, for this great meal that you're going to enjoy, but also you can stroll around the observation level. You can dance across the glass floor. And it is a real night to remember. And that's maybe something you want to do as we're heading into this holiday season. Thanks for joining me on this portion of Moment of Truth. And we're going to be right back after a few short messages. So please stay tuned. 
Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to welcome to the show, especially at this festive time of year, as we get closer and closer uh, to the holiday season, because we're going to be talking about a live radio play that is going to be coming up in December, and it's in Ottawa. So folks in Ottawa, pay attention. You may want to uh, attend this. So Jenna Giampaolo and Vince Diulis of GD Productions. Now, GD, I'm sure that stands for your initials of both your last names, right? That's right. Hey, They are proud to present It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play. And it's going to be running from December 10th to the 18th at the Villa Lucia Supper Club in Ottawa. And it's in celebration of the 75th anniversary of Frank Capra's beloved beloved film. I had no idea, you know, 75 years. That's amazing in itself. Um, So Jenna and Vince, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to have you. And I'm so excited to talk about this film. But before we get there, I want to let people know a little bit more about both of you, uh, because uh, we're going to be talking about you guys specifically and your your relationship to this film, because it ties into this uh, this uh, whole thing that you're you're doing. So, uh, Jenna, you are, a, of course, a, a, a native of Ottawa, a singer, an actor, a dancer, composer and lyricist. And though you are a performer first you also dabble in uh, musical direction producing directing uh, children's musicals and performing arts instruction so uh it's wonderful to have you here to talk about this and of course you're going to be uh starring in uh, in this uh this live performance that you're going to be doing of it's a wonderful life that's coming up as well and uh vince um also again producer performer playwright and uh re- recently published an article in the canadian theater review uh detail Detailing his experiences uh, co-creating the intercultural World War One drama *Gods Like Us*, which will be performed as a stage reading, and that's coming up in February of 2022. Holy smokes, 2022! It's <laughs> like right around the corner. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Vince, whereabouts? Do you know where that's going to be done? Is that going to be in Ottawa? Uh, no, that'll be in Toronto at the Campbell House Museum, just uh-huh. on the corner of uh, Queen and University. Right. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Though the other thing about this is if people are going to be going or if you want to support this somehow, um, there's going to be donations made to the Ottawa Network for Education. And that's going to be collected because many of the people in the cast and creative team are educators and mentors. So uh, that's wonderful. So once again, before we get into this, I want to let people know if they want to check this out while we're talking or whatever. Uh, It's going to be running Friday, December 10th at 7 p.m. That's opening night. Saturday, December 11th at 5 and 7.30. And then uh, Friday, December 17th at 7 p.m. And Saturday, December 18th at 5 and 7.30 p.m. once again. So make sure and check that out at the Villa Lucia Supper Club. That's at 3430 Carling Avenue in Ottawa, Ontario. So uh, it's a pleasure to have uh, Gina and Vince here to talk about this. Uh, so take me back. You guys, this is the second time that you guys are doing the play, but is it the first time you're, you're actually producing it? So it's the 
Second time that we'll both be performing as George and Mary together. Right. Vince actually did the show two times previous okay. to when we met. Mm -hmm. And this is our first uh, producing of the play, our first production. Okay. Um, now, he, I see that he says in 2018 while performing as George and Mary Bailey. So, Vince, you were performing, you were doing the roles of both George and Mary? <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, I meant that to mean uh, doing the role of George and, and Jenna's Mary. <laughs> no, that would be interesting, I have to say. The one-man show. The one-man wonderful life. <laughs> and, and difficult, I would say. You know, doing I'm life. sure. <laughs> anyway, um, so, so tell me about that. Tell me about the meeting of how that happened around this. Sure. Yeah. So it was, uh, we were, uh, it was my, I was coming back to the show doing a production here in Toronto. And so it was, it was going to be my third year and it was Jen's first year doing the show in Toronto. And, um, and yeah, I was, so I was sort of the seasoned veteran. I had done the show a few times. I kind of knew what was going on, what to expect. And uh, so I walked into the room and, and there was the cast and there was Jen sitting there at the, at the cast table. And, you know, I, I was the last one to, to arrive for whatever reason. And I, I leaned over to Jen and there was one script left on the table. And I quietly whispered to her, hey, is, do you know if that's, if that script is for me? And uh, sort of from there, we kind of had that spark. And then throughout the, uh, the production in, in Toronto, it, that kind of blossomed and grew and we, uh, we knew we were meant to be together, and then uh, fast forward to to 2020, and we had our, our wedding, which had sort of a wonderful life. Uh, not a theme, I wouldn't say it wasn't it wasn't a theme, but uh, it, there was definitely hints of, of wonderful life because it was so meaningful to us after having done that production together. Well, you you took the words out of my mouth, and you you took my <laughs> line from me. I was going to say, well, it's a wonderful life, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any chance, any opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, that's wonderful in itself, and and it's such a wonderful you know play that this could happen around uh, you know in terms of you you getting together and and meeting each other and discovering each other, and then ultimately uh, you know uh, joining joining together. So wonderful news. It's it's so exciting. It's it's a beautiful uh, sort of a tie-in with this whole thing, and um, I I would like to you know when I first heard about this about doing a live radio performance play of It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, you know, images, of course, of what we've seen about uh, radio plays, uh, you know, ran through my mind with the big microphone and characters reading off sheets and, and somebody doing, uh, you know, sound effects off in the corner or off to the side and those kind of things. But when it's live, and, and, and the colors also, rich browns and, you know, heavy wood and those kind of things all crept into mind. Is that, Am I on the right track with this? That's right. I think when you think classic radio play, you see the rich browns, the, mm. the warm reds, mm -hmm. and it's very inviting. Uh, in our show, we have a cast of six actors and one musician who is a piano player, and the entire cast does fully. Um, mm -hmm. which is the sound effects yep. throughout the whole piece. And so it's very fun because between playing these well-known, beloved characters, we all then get to add to the story by doing the different sounds and having the piano underscoring to give it another added tone. And uh, we even have a few jingles that we all sing together behind <laughs> the classic Shore microphones. Mm. 
Yeah, so it's it's definitely that's why we picked the Villa Lucia as well, as it has that mm. kind of time warp, take you back atmosphere of the forties, right? Which is the time that the radio plays uh, set during. And that was very important to us to give the audience when they come the feeling of being transported back to the time of the radio play and getting a chance to see these actors take on these roles. So for Vince and I, we played George and Mary Bailey, mm-hmm. uh, but our other four actors, they voiced the entire um the rest of cast. the the, the entire right. cast, the rest right. of all the characters, multiple roles. And yeah. we're so excited to get to share that. I think that's what makes it all the more entertaining and fun seeing everyone bustle around the stage, bringing it to life. Yeah. It's it is such a uh, a beautiful you know film. I mean, even though it's got that uh, that desperateness of it because of, of what George is going through, um, you know, thinking of ending his life, and we all know about you know the story, but. Um, it, it, it sounds really, really wonderful to bring this uh, to a live presentation. Now, that's the other side of this. It's a live radio play. So you're not just doing the radio play. You are going to be performing it in front of an audience, correct? Yes. Yes, we are. Which, of course, means you're going to have the costumes and it's going to be set up. But you're going to be... How does that How does that impact you as a, an actor... Uh, doing a reading, but doing a performance at the same time to a live performance because you're you're still performing, right? Yes, it's interesting in the uh, the adaptation that we're specifically doing the Joe Landry uh, version of the show. So his conceit is that the actors come on; they're playing specific characters who are entering the radio station in 1946 to put on this live production. Okay, and so the audience kind of has the sense of, oh, these are these actors who are about to put on <laughs> "It's a Wonderful Life," as yep. if they're sort of a troop of act radio show yeah. actors who kind of yeah. always put on shows. And so we, as the actors, take on the role of those actors, and then once we get into the script and the story of It's a Wonderful Life, then we're able to jump an, at another level <laughs> into yeah. the, the characters from the film. And so it's a, it's 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 very um, multi-layered in that sense of you get to play both these these radio station, these radio show actors, mm. and then also you get to have the opportunity to jump into the characters of from the movie, which is which is great. And one of the challenges to performing this piece is it's supposed to feel like it's live on Christmas Eve <laughs> every time you do the show. <laughs> and for actors, we rehearse, and we uh, it's that tendency of you don't want to be over rehearsed, and you need yeah. to keep it extra fresh mm. and feeling like it's new every night, which is a nice challenge for the team and the cast. It gives us the opportunity to play, and as we all know anything can happen at any moment uh fully things can go wrong <laughs> you can miss a line and it just keeps it fresh and comical but also very honest and mm-hmm. i think that adds a wonderful level both for the performers and the audience to get to experience this together each night yeah yeah it really does sound like that thanks for mentioning all of those things as you were talking there about the different levels and playing the characters that are that are playing the radio 
actors as that, and then getting into the other level of playing the characters that are actually doing the play. <laughs> um, I thought, wow. And, and I'm not sure if, uh, if the way the play has been adapted uh, allows you guys um, or ha- has, has uh, moved those, those characters that you're playing um, to add more to, to what, what the, uh, the characters that are in the actual uh, play of It's a Wonderful Life when they're reading, uh, you know, either getting emotionally uh, uh, engaged or charged or uh, making some comments around it. You know what I'm saying? How, is that, does, does, that, uh, does that happen at all with this? Yeah, absolutely. There's that we, it's funny you bring that up because at one of our last Zoom rehearsals, which is another challenge in itself, (laughs) uh, one of our actors, Darren Burkett, actually brought up uh, this this question of, so what can I do as the radio show actor Mm. when I'm not at the microphone or not doing Foley? Can Mm. I, am I able to kind of, you know, mosey around the set and and look at things? Am I able to, you know, do a crossword, read a book? What are, what are the limitations? What are the, the, um, the options that I have as an, as an actor in the, in the radio show. And we said, absolutely. What that's one of the fun elements of, of doing this show and not just doing a version of it's a wonderful life is that opportunity to, for the audience to see these actors in a radio station when they're not on mic, when they're not playing the characters, it's, it's fun to look over the corner, the, the shoulder of the, the actor playing George and see someone in the background <laughs> inspecting their Foley prop before they use it, or, or maybe having a quick conversation with someone to ask, you know, where's the water. <laughs> it's like right. those little, those little moments that, that I think bring the show alive on another level, which is, which is a really fun element that, that we love doing about, about this show. And, and it's always wonderful to look back in time, especially around, I guess, the 1940s, uh, the costumes, uh, you know, that, that the whole uh, ambiance of that. So you, you already mentioned about the theater space that you're using, uh, dinner theater that you're using for this, which, which sounds great. And I'm sure the costumes will, uh, that's, uh, that's got to be a lot of fun to just get into, into uh, character with, with those kind of costumes. Um, is it difficult to find costumes for this kind of era? Absolutely, it can be. Um, I personally do enjoy uh, vintage clothing mm. myself, so mm. I already knew my way around the internet for locating some items. And uh, one of the actors in our cast, Alison Beulah, uh, is my vintage sister at heart, and she's very much the same. So we, from our own closets, had quite a like an array of costume options, and we knew where to look. And fortunately, we also knew a a company, I believe they're called Northumberland Players, Mm. uh, and they are in Port Hope. And Vince had actually contacted them previously to find a World War I um, soldier's uniform. So we knew they had a vast array and collection of costumes Mm. that we could pull from. So we found George's suit. We found uh, our men's costumes from there and a few other items. So you, I think with uh, vintage costuming, it's definitely knowing who you can connect with, which is great because the spirit of community, I mean, that's what brings everyone together, right? Both in this show, this film, this, um, at this time, it's so important. So we're happy to have pulled from a few places just to get that feel for the 1940s. 
Yeah, sounds great. You're listening to Moment of Truth in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show are Jenna Giampaolo and Vince Diulis of GD Productions. We're talking about It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play, which they will be presenting coming up in Ottawa at the Villa Lucia Supper Club at 3430 Carling Avenue. And it's going to be running from December 10th until December 18th. Shows are going to be at 7 p.m. on the 10th, on uh, Saturday the 11th, 5 and 7.30 p.m., Friday, December 17th at 7 p.m., and Saturday, December 18th at 5 and 7.30 p.m. once again. A great opportunity to see a wonderful play, A Wonderful Life. And uh, it's a radio live adaption of this radio play. Um, So it's, you know, it's something that... uh, it's another way for us to enjoy this wonderful play, actually, that I'm sure we all have seen uh, year after year on TV uh, during this time of year. Both uh, Jenna and Vince will be starring in this play, and as well as uh, George and Mary Bailey. I'd like to ask you guys, Will, what are, what are the protocols around COVID now as we get into the, the season and, and getting back into live performances? How are those kind of things being done uh, with your show? Yeah, thanks for the question, David. Um, in terms of uh, for our show specifically, because we kind of operate in that that weird space of we're, we're a theater show, but mm. we're within a restaurant. So we have mm. to abide by kind of the, the, the protocols and restrictions that that govern both of those mm-hmm. uh, presentations. And so we are requiring the um, the vaccine passport or proof of vaccination right. at the door that will be checked. There's also a pre-screening that will be uh, the questionnaire, a brief questionnaire that will have to be answered upon entry as well to uh, discuss things like, you know, travel outside the country. Um, and then there during the show, we'll actually be having just like most indoor settings, there will be a mandatory masking uh, for those who, uh, who are able to. Um, and during the show, we'll be having uh, the, the a cash bar will be open as part of uh, Villa, Villa Lucia's offering. And mm-hmm. so folks will have the opportunity to, to buy a drink bring it in because the seating is actually at tables. Yeah. And so they can buy a drink, bring it in, you know, remove the mask, take your sip, hopefully put your, put your mask back on to keep everyone safe. Um, the actors are uh, physically distanced yep. from the, the nearest audience members. And, um, and then the tables also are going right. to be uh, physical distance from yep. each other. So we're kind of trying to keep cohorts or groups together in their, their little bubble. And then uh, six feet or so apart, from from each other uh, at, at the show, and then during the show, they'll be they'll have the main entrance of the Villa Lucia to come in through, and then after the show, there's another door in actually the room that we're going to be in that can be used as an exit door, so that we can get the flow of mm. of traffic yeah. <laughs> in and out in a in a safe way. Right, safety is pretty well. It's it's our number one concern with with this show, and especially bringing live theater back to, sure. uh, to Ottawa, just making sure everybody feels as safe as possible. We're, we're limiting the, the capacity on the room just to make sure even more people feel safe. So again, li- seat, seating is limited, tickets are limited, mm, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but it all in, all in the, in the sense of keeping people safe and, yeah. and feeling comfortable returning to, yes. to live events like this. Yes, of course. And where can people find tickets? Where, where can they go online to, uh, to, you know, see about getting them? 
Yeah. So we're, uh, I would say the best place to direct them is to our website, gdpottawa.com. From there, there'll be a button in the top right corner that says buy tickets (laughs) and in a few (laughs) other places on the website. And that uh, link will actually redirect you to an Eventbrite page, which is uh, kind of the main hub for for our ticketing service. Uh, Did you say that was gdpottawa.com? gdpottawa.com, yes. Okay. I want to mention something else to you guys, and I'm not sure if you guys see this the same way. I remember, and I don't know why or how this happened. I just remember, uh, I think it was on the radio, and, and, you know, DJs talking, and they said, what's your favorite love scene? Right? And, of course, yes. every, everybody thinks, I, I think people automatically think sex scene when they say yes. love scene. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, to me, is not a love scene. That's a sex scene. Two different things altogether. Yes. yes. <laughs> but the, 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 what popped into mind was this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's the scene. And maybe you guys know the scene. Do you know what scene I'm thinking of? I think, I think so. so. On the phone. Yes, I'm thinking of on the phone when uh, when George is there visiting with Mary in the house and uh, the other guy calls. I can't remember his. Sam Wainwright. Yeah, he calls <laughs> and they get him on the phone and and then you know they're so close together trying to listen to the conversation and then he grabs her and he yeah. shakes her and he starts he starts saying it in such an angry way that that he, he can't help himself you know he can't yeah. help himself and i went if that isn't love what is i you know what i'm saying yes it's a very iconic um scene uh when we used to do this in the radio play version in toronto when we first met i remember audiences being uh a little upset because right at uh, that key moment where they would fall in love and in the movie traditionally kiss mm. Uh, because we were doing a radio play, uh, the the direction was to have us not kiss mm. and the music would swell and it would finish. <laughs> and we took our intermission at that mm. time. Right. And I remember the audience like being <laughs> upset because we had <laughs> deprived them of this big climactic romance scene. <laughs> and they would say, kiss, why aren't you kissing? Where's the kiss? Yeah. That's how you could tell there was real chemistry between Jen and I. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's great. And, you know, I can understand that. Boy, isn't that interesting? Isn't that yeah. really interesting? It's all about love, right? This is all about love. Love and community. Absolutely. I think it's a great time to come together. And for my family, music and film performance, performing arts has always been just at the heart of all of us and community. And I think it's a wonderful outlet and reason for people to gather and come together. And during this time where we've all been so apart Mm. throughout the pandemic uh, and it's possible to come together safely now and share stories again and share music and performance. And I know I ache for the days uh, around the piano again, just having sing-alongs with family and friends. And that's our goal. If we get to put this production on a second time, our hope is to then incorporate an audience sing-along once that's mm. safe to do so as well. Because yeah. again, it's, it's coming together. It's yeah. coming together and music and celebrating love and that community sense. 
Yes, nicely said. One of the other characters that, at least in the film, that starts it is uh, is is Clarence, right? The 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 uh, the angel. Yeah. Is, does Clarence make up uh, an appearance, or or at least uh, do we hear his voice in this in this uh, play? So Clarence is absolutely in the piece. Uh, Clarence is there from beginning to end. Mm. So Joe Landry's adaptation has the narrating angel characters as we go through uh, the past. Clarence is being played by uh, Hunter Agnew. Um, actually, funny story for our cast is we're all couples. So Vince and I are a couple. Uh, <laughs> Hunter Agnew and Darren are a couple. And then Alison Bula and her husband are also a couple. And we're all coming together to put this show on. And the Clarence character, uh, that was one of the reasons we really thought of Hunter. It's, it's this innocent, wonderful, like, voice and it's very much the through line. Like I think he really has that opening sense. And even though it's about George, it's Clarence's message Mm. that matters. And it's such a simple message Mm. and his final Mm -hmm. line of no man is a failure who has friends. And he says the George, you really had a wonderful life. So he, we still have all those wonderful lines and storytelling happening through Clarence's eyes. It's definitely, he has so many of my favorite moments mm. in the show. And I think I'm really glad that Joe Landry kept that in. Mm. And and I think that those kind of simple, clear lines that uh, Clarence mentioned, like you mentioned, that he delivers, uh, really makes, brings us down and makes us humble and really makes us think about what really matters, right? Absolutely. The other thing I have to ask about, and this is more of a set piece uh, that I keep seeing in my head, um, and I'm not sure if you guys utilize it, the moon. Oh, the moon. No, we don't. We don't uh, We don't have a, a set piece of the moon. Mm. We like to paint the picture, David. This is, you know, we're making a radio <laughs> show. <laughs> so we, like, we paint the picture. We have this scene where, where, we, where uh, George and Mary talk about lassoing the moon. But no, there's no, there's no direct uh, set piece of a moon, unfortunately. Uh, you know what? I like what you said. You paint the picture. Uh, you know, it could be done with lighting, a little bit of lighting. Or just like you said, because I can see it already. It's such a familiar uh, play. And, and hopefully everyone will be able to see, because then they'll imagine it the way they want to see it anyway, right? Absolutely. In, yeah. in, in past productions, and we're hoping again in this production of this particular show, a lot of times audience after the show say, you know, I closed my eyes for, for a section of the show and I could, and everything you were saying and the way you were saying it, I was, I could picture the movie mm-hmm. or I could picture mm-hmm. the scene. I could picture the, you know, George throwing a lasso around the moon. Like I could, the way that you, that, that the show is delivered, you can, you can watch it. You can, you can close your eyes. You can listen to it the entire time if you mm-hmm. wish. Like it's just, it paints such a vivid image. And I think because it's such an iconic film, people can, can quickly relate to the, to the imagery in, in the show. Nice. Jenna Giampaolo and Vince Diulis of GD Productions talking about It's a Wonderful Life, a live radio play that is on from December 10th to the 18th at the Villa Lucia Supper Club in Ottawa. And if you go online to gdpottawa.ca, you can find out about getting tickets. It it, it sounds great. Uh, Congratulations on your own personal lives of getting together as well. I wish you all the best in the future. And thank you so much for coming on to Moment of Truth and telling us about this and sharing uh, this with us so we can share it with other people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us, David.
Thank you very much. It's been my great pleasure. Thank you so much. You guys take care and have a wonderful holiday season. You too. Same to you. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.